Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S. and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends. Welcome back to Now Appalachia. You're listening to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And our program, Now Appalachia, profiles the outstanding authors from Appalachia and how the region and their connections to the region influence and impact their works. I'm your host, Elliot Parker, and it's great to have you with us today. We are talking about thrillers. We are talking about a book uh, that has come out by an outstanding author who I'm so delighted to have with us on the program today. It is a book about a river of secrets, a town of lies. It's called Real Bad Things, and there are some real bad things going on in this particular story. And our guest today is author Kelly Ford. And Kelly is the author of this book, Real Bad Things, which we're going to be talking about today. It came out uh, in the summer of 2022. She's also the author of the award-winning book Cottonmouths, which was named uh, one of the best books of 2017 by Los Angeles Review. She is an Arkansas native, and she writes about the power and pitfalls of friendship, along with the danger of long-held secrets and the transcendent grittiness of the Ozarks and the surrounding areas. She lives in Vermont currently with her wife and cat, and she is also the co-host of the Writer's Bone podcast, Happy Hour Episodes. And so, Kelly, welcome to Now Appalachia. I'm so delighted to have you here to talk to you today about your outstanding new book. Welcome. Oh, thank you. It is really awesome to be here. I love this book for so many reasons. Uh, I read your your first book uh, when it came out, Cottonmouths, and I love this one all all much more, all the much more for <laughs> a variety of different reasons. But before we get into to this particular story, I wanted to ask you: this being your second book after Cottonmouths, when you were writing this book, how was the process of writing and storytelling and creation and creativity? How was all of that similar to and different from? writing Cottonmouths, and was there any different challenges that you came across in putting together real bad things that maybe didn't occur when Cottonmouths was being written? Oh, gosh, they were a world of difference because Cottonmouths, I feel like, I mean, it was truly the first, it wasn't the first story I ever told because I I managed to write a bunch of things in a bunch of different mediums. But when you look at that in terms of the novel format, that was pretty much my training ground for everything and kind of my sandbox. So the amount of time I worked on Cotton Mouse versus Real Bad Things was I mean, Cotton Mouse. And I say this to people and they kind of get this fear on their face if they're writers. It was about a 20 year process because I was pretty much thinking about it for a very long time. And I do truly believe that thinking is writing. Don't let people tell you it's not. (laughs) It's that critical piece that you kind of need or I need. I can't just sit down and write. That's not how my brain operates. Um, I can only do that after I've spent a long time marinating and not that I marinated for 20 years because that would be ridiculous but some people may have done that and that's fine that's their process if it works for them but um but I was really as I was working on Cotton Mouse I was learning how to write a novel and so the final draft and what's printed for Cotton Mouse is about it contains maybe five percent of the original draft 
the first draft I finished. There were all sorts of versions of it before then, which uh, compromises that 20 years, but it was a, it was a very long process and I didn't even know what my story was, but it was a book I carried with me in my heart and on beaches in P-Town and in conference rooms at work. And then into writing classes at Grub Street Writing Center in Boston, where I took my first writing classes and kind of figured out all the craft pieces that I needed to learn. So what's in Cottonmouth is kind of the output of me trying to figure out how to do that. Um, so the fact that it actually came out, my first manuscript I ever worked on, because <laughs> so many people, they trunk it and I'm just, or, you know, abandon it. And I, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm like, no, I'm going to make this work in some way, shape or form. And it did not work for many years because it was a totally different story. So I was happy that I was able to salvage so, so much of the heart of Cotton Mouse into the final draft of what I originally wanted. Um, and so when, when it was time to write Real Bad Things, I mean, Real Bad Things is actually the product of two abandoned manuscripts, but again, not quite abandoned because I, I kind of took, I see all of my work as kind of organ donation. So I can take this from here and that from there. And so my main character in Real Bad Things, Jane Mooney was actually a character from another novel set in Boston, totally different, kind of more literary fiction. In other words, not a ton happens. <laughs> and I, I'm just saying what, you know, workshop people told me, you know, from excerpts. But then um, the secondary character who plays um, a big role because she's a point of view character, uh, Georgia Lee Lane, she was actually a teenager in a totally different book that was set in Arkansas. And I loved her character so much, even though she was tertiary. And I decided, I just kept thinking about her and I thought, God, she would be so fun to write as an adult. And so for this book, I basically aged her and I loved her. And then I mashed her story with Jane's. And then I was able to kind of come up with the elements that made real bad things. So I feel like all that time I spent on cotton mouse and learning really helped me with real bad things. And also kind of figuring out with cotton mouse, even what genre I'm in. Um, I've mentioned before to some people, I just, I don't know that cotton mouse or real bad things fit cleanly into any genre category. So, and especially cotton mouse, when I was originally querying that book to agents, people were just like, I don't even know what to do with this book. Like, is it, what is it? <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know, you tell me. And they're like, well, we can't, sorry. And they were really lovely and I got some great feedback, but I think with Real Bad Things, I was able to go into that knowing that I love literary fiction, um, but I also love genre. I love crime books, but I knew that for me personally, I can lean a little, it's a little bit easier for me to lean into a crime novel than it is to make something a little bit more literary fiction. Um, so, so it was easier, but I still had kind of the basic process of marinating and taking things that didn't work and revising the hell out of them until they did. <laughs> <laughs> and I love something that you said a few minutes ago about 
thinking about what you're going to be doing because I've heard so many readers will ask an author, well, how long did it take you to write that? How, how long did it take you? And they'll say, well, it took me, you know, one year, two years, three years, whatever it may be. But nobody ever asks an author, how much time did you spend thinking about what you were going to write before you wrote it? And so I'm so glad uh, you mentioned that, that there was as much thinking in, involved in uh, creating not only cotton mouths, but real bad things uh, as there was in the actual sitting down and, and putting the book together. I thought that was really great. And I'm glad you shared that. So at the start of your book, um, we meet Jane Mooney, who you alluded to uh, a moment ago. She's been living in Boston, and now she comes back to Maud Bottoms, Arkansas, because there's been a big flood, and there's been some human remains that have been discovered in a lock chamber. Um, and and we think, at least early on, that those remains are those of Warren Ingram, who is Jane's stepfather. But one of the things I, I loved about this book time and again is that we get a sense that Maud Bottoms, Arkansas, is very much its own character. And I loved how it it sort of has its own sort of standing in the story in terms of being a character that kind of wraps itself around all of these other characters that we follow. So what kind of a place is Maud Bottoms, Arkansas? And just what kind of a community is Jane walking back into uh, when she comes from Boston? Thank you for saying that. And it's, it's so fun. I feel like you're the first person to like really dive into the book itself. So that's so cool. Um so not that other people haven't, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so I, I love to write about these pressure cooker environments. And so I feel like there's nothing quite as pressure cooker as walking back into your hometown. And I think that could be anywhere, even in a big city, because of course, even if you live in a big city, you know, just having talked about small towns so much, even in a big city, there are neighborhoods, of course, and they all have a certain flavor and an insularity. And so I'm always trying to capture that feeling of, you know, once you enter, it's kind of like the chain link fence closes behind you and you're kind of stuck and it's like oh crap there's no it's the hotel california how do i get out um so setting plays such a large role for me in in my books and i love to think about towns as characters because there's so much about a town like whenever i'm I'm talking to students and when I've had the opportunity to actually teach, that's my favorite thing to teach because I think you can get into the specificity of a town and of a place and kind of like what makes up the character of that town and to think about it in terms of even little things like are the sidewalks concrete or are they brick or are they dirt because it, it can make a difference even in, you know, because I've walked on all, um, what kind of shoes you wear, what kind of car you can drive. And that tells you so much about socioeconomic status. And so it's really fun to play with that. And also to, to think about how there are even divisions within a small town, such as in Mod Bottoms. And Mod Bottoms was really fun to play with because um, I, I base all of my settings on where I grew up in around Fort Smith, Arkansas, and it's in the Arkansas River Valley. So it's like I grew up in a river valley that always floods and it's part of Tornado, Tornado Valley. But then I also lived with uh, my dad, my stepmom, often up in the hills closer to 
the Ozarks. So it was a really cool experience to be able to have both. So when when it's Mod Bottoms, I just think about it, is this place that just could flood, but Mod Proper, which is in the book, is just this place where, you know, the dirty water doesn't touch those citizens. So it creates this nice clash in tension between the town. Very nice. Very nice. And I, I love that. And I love that, you know, I, there were so many moments I was reading the book and I was, I was thinking, you know, these characters are acting um, in the way or reacting in the way that mod bottoms would want them to, you know, that, that mm -hmm. the town and the culture and the norms of that town have established them uh, to act, or you would expect them to act or react uh, in those ways, based on the fact that they've lived there all their lives or, or been a part of everything that's gone on there for most of their lives. And so mm -hmm. uh, that's really fascinating to hear you say that. And um, just to kind of progress the story a little bit, what ends up happening, kind of the main plot point that we focus on is that 25 years ago, we talked about Jane a minute ago, she confessed to murdering her stepfather, but uh, there was no body. And so the police decided not to charge her. And she's kind of spent uh, all of this time uh, away from uh, Mod Bottoms and living elsewhere. But there's a relationship in the book, and you mentioned her earlier a moment ago, uh, with Georgia Lee, who was Jane's former girlfriend. And there were so many characters I loved in your book, but there's something about Georgia Lee and Jane that I loved. I loved their their interaction. I, I felt like many times they were talking to each other, but they were also talking past each other on certain mm -hmm. issues. Um, and, and here's Georgia kind of occupying the past, life or her past life and experiences with Jane, but she's also kind of got a current problem in that she's uh, a current city councilwoman. And so she's got this juggling act she's trying to do. She's trying to reconnect with her friend. The upcoming election is happening. And so she doesn't want to wade too far, uh, you know, and be, it seemed like she's supporting someone who maybe killed her stepfather and her friend, uh, Jane. So can you talk about their dynamic? I just found her to be a fascinating character. And I just loved the, the way they talked to each other and how sometimes it seemed like they were talking around each other and at each other and over each other. Um, can you talk about their dynamic and, and, and the importance of that relationship in the book? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just like a lot of girls growing up, I think friendships are so tight. And of course, they go beyond just a tight friendship. Um, they're girlfriends when they're teenagers in Arkansas and so much seems impossible then. And so, you know, this, this event happens, you know, she can, this stepfather goes missing and then Jane leaves, confesses and eventually is able to leave town because they don't charge her. And so with Jane, it's, it's fun because I, I understand Jane in so many ways because having, I went to school in Arkansas, I went to college in Arkansas, graduated from there. So I didn't even move out of Arkansas until after I was quote unquote, an adult. <laughs> so, but the distance geographically and chronologically me from Arkansas is kind of like Jane and be able, being able to look back and you get, you can see a place with a very different perspective once you've left. And so she's got that. Whereas Georgia Lee has been stuck there and not even necessarily stuck. I don't think she necessarily is one of those people who has to get away from Arkansas or they have to get away from their um, hometown. Maybe they wanted to go and do things, but they don't necessarily see it with the same, um, shall we say, distaste that perhaps Jane sees it. Like there are people that 
that she doesn't love. But I think Georgia Lee definitely has that love. Hey, she wants, she wants the, the accolades and the attention from her town, but she doesn't get it. And so she can be a little crusty at times. <laughs> so, but I also think this was really fun and different than writing Cotton Mouse in that, you know, I did a lot of living between when I started Cotton Mouse and, you know, when I finished writing Real Bad Things, you know, I'm middle-aged now. And so it was really fun to be able to write tough female characters who are older. Um, I don't think I have to remind anyone that, you know, older female characters and actresses and what have you just don't get the same airtime that other demographics do and of course that's even different if you're non-white and um you know non-heterosexual so it was really fun and I think I wrote this thinking I don't really it's not that I don't care if anyone reads it but I I never think about it in terms of oh no what will the market think and nobody wants to read about these characters because I think you know, I'm middle-aged and I have all these hilarious friends who are my age or a little bit younger than me and we're all mostly childless and they're the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And so a lot of those barbs and stuff kind of come from just being in these really tight-knit friend groups that I've been in for several years, mainly out of workplace situations. And so I love dialogue. I, I love it when people kind of talk past each other because I think when you when it comes down to it, the important things that you need to say to people, you often don't say, you know? And, you know, I can sit here and be an asshole and be like, you just need to communicate with that person. But of course, if, if I'm having a con or have some issue with someone, do I do that? Absolutely not. Or if I do, I totally mess it up and I'm rude. And then I have to apologize profusely and send flowers. But um, so I think that's kind of fun to explore that human psychology of not just friendships, but exes and what that's like. Like, I don't even know what that's like. I've never, I haven't met or seen an ex after so many years. So in a way it was kind of like, oh God, that's so awkward. What would that be like? And then on top of that, throw in a confession of, you know, murdering your stepdad. Wow, that's awkward. <laughs> so, so it was so much fun to write. Yeah, I loved it. I love that the, their dialogue and their conversations are can't miss in the book. Yeah, <laughs> I just loved it. I, I reread several of their conversations multiple times because I just love the way uh, they engage one another because there is so much history and there is kind of this past secret that they share, but so much time has gone on and Jane has moved on and she has moved on and all those other circumstances, you know, one has left uh, Mod Bottoms, one hasn't. And so I just love that whole interplay of them trying to get reacquainted. I wanted to ask you a, a process question, because one of the things mm -hmm. I also loved about your book is that uh, the plot and the mystery kind of slowly unfolds. Um, and, and there's a surprising conclusion that we don't want to spoil for the audience. But what I really loved about your book is that there were some some clues or a lot of clues that were just skillfully disguised and sprinkled in throughout the novel. And I know there's a lot of different ways that you can do mysteries. You can do kind of the 
the uh, the Lee Child or the Harlan Coben sort of the you know the the foot's on the throttle from page one and it doesn't let up till the end or you can kind of do the slow burn kind of uh, a mystery or thriller where things are sprinkled in and there's a slow build up to a sort of a big climactic moment. Um, how did you how do you do that or how did you decide to to structure uh, real bad things in the way that you did in terms of you know putting these clues kind of skillfully throughout the story and you really have to pay attention to them uh, in order to see when the uh, big reveal happens how they all connect mm. together how, how did you is that something that just kind of happened as you were writing or did you in the back of your mind think I'm going to do this strategically so that the, that the build-up is is a little slower I wish I were smart enough that it were strategic. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> um, I think it's just a natural outcome of all that thinking I do and all the drafts that I do. So sometimes I don't even, this sounds dumb, but it's like I don't even know what I'm doing. But then when you have these brilliant readers, um, Elizabeth Charles Shelburne, who wrote the Southern India award-winning book, Holding On to Nothing, devastating, heartbreaking. She is, and so good. She is um, one of my beta readers and she will look at things. And also PJ Vernon, who wrote Bathhouse. Uh, and my oh, wife. One of my, one of my favorite books oh, of the year. He's so I mean, good. He's so oh, good. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So they, he, he's a close friend and he reads my stuff and he helps me with plot. And so I've got basically Elizabeth, who is just a gorgeous Southern writer. And so she, she really helps me on the character front and kind of the emotional pacing and that sort of thing. And then I'll be sitting there and I'll, you know, PJ and I, um, we haven't done it in a while, but we typically will have a once a week chat where it's like, I've got this plot thing. Let's just talk about it. And so he's really good. And my wife's really good at pointing things out and being like, well, you've already got that in chapter two. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> so I would love to say that I'm brilliant, but I'm not. I require um, readers to help me understand what I've actually done. Um, it's definitely a village. It takes a village to make a Kelly J. Ford novel. And then of course I have these amazing editors um, at Thomas and Mercer. And at the time for real bad things, it was um, still Jessica Triple Wells or Wells Triple, Jessica. Sorry, Jessica. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, they, they're able to point things out to me. So I think my, my natural pacing and anything I write I talk about it in terms of, you know, the, the state fair ride that it takes you up so slowly. And then once you get to the top, it holds you for a moment before dropping you. And that is my favorite ride. And so every, I love music that follows that format. And I, I love poetry, books, movies, that sort of thing, where you have that kind of that tension where it's like, oh my God, I can't stand it anymore. And then it just drops you. And so I think that's just the way I write. And so through this process of reviewing with other folks and John Virtue too, amazing writer. Sorry, I drop a lot of names, but they're so cool and they have great books. So I always love to plug them. Um, so they, they help me with figuring out um, what's what I've already planted. And then I'm able to kind of see, oh, I could actually do that too. And I kind of can make the links there. Very good. So nothing, nothing is very clever. 
<laughs> it's all it's all a struggle <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> very good very well said i love it love it very well said we're talking with kelly j ford she's the author of the brand new mystery called real bad things we'll come back to the book uh in just a second but kelly i wanted to ask you you kind of probably alluded to this uh, a little bit with, with pj uh and, and some other authors but who are some authors that you really like who are some authors that inspire you oh gosh i mean i love jasmine ward love her books um you know southern writer what three-time national book award winner um so i'm gonna be writing an essay about her soon um so oh gosh and then of course i love sarah waters um she's you know queer victorian england totally different from what i read um or from what i write but i love it and um i read a ton of nonfiction. Um, Isabel Wilkerson, um, The Warmth of a Thousand Suns, I think that's the name. She wrote Cast as well. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of just take it all in from all these various uh, people and genres. They're all writing different things. And um, I love Amina Akhtar. I don't know if you've had, probably not. She's not Appalachia <laughs> or from Appalachia. Uh, she's from Texas, I believe. Um, so, so yeah, it's just like, I can take in all these little pieces from all these other writers and especially from different genres. And it's almost like, you know, just capturing their, their feeling and how they do things. And, um, it just transports me. So I, I, I yeah, I can't say there's actually one. I, I like to read so many. Um, I like different styles. Very good. Very good. Real Bad Things is the title of the book. Kelly Ford is our guest here on this episode of Now Appalachia. So Kelly, we're running a little short on time. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you uh, before we finish up um, and before we run out of time uh, about your next book. I understand you've got another project uh, underway and you've been sort of working on it and kind of mm -hmm. massaging the idea a little bit and maybe moving forward with uh, some writing on that front. So can you tell us about what you're working on next? Yeah, so I'm currently in developmental edits for my third book, which is my second book with Thomas and Mercer. So um, it is also set in Arkansas and it is tentatively titled The Hunt. And it is about a serial killer who basically uses the annual um, classic rock stations hunt for the golden egg as their praying ground. And so everybody's like, that doesn't sound like a book you'd write. And I'm like, just wait it is because it's it's primarily about again um a, a small town um that weird shit's happening and it's about the characters some of the characters who are eggheads and super into the hunt and then other people who have actually had family members who are victims and so it's kind of this clash and um gosh it's a lot of fun to write Oh, sounds, sounds terrific. <laughs> Any idea on when there may be a release date for that book or you still a little too early for that? I don't know. They put the release date up on Amazon is I think next year. So I'm like, I better hurry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my edits are due on the 30th. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Fair enough. So Kelly, in our final moments with you, if uh, anyone wants to get in contact with you uh, to find out more uh, about what you're up to as a writer, uh, to find out more about Cottonmouths, to find out more about real bad things, where can they find you? How can they get in contact with you, first of all? And then where can they get copies of Real Bad Things? Sure. Well, you can you can find me at uh, kellyjford.com on the interwebs and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram and pretty much both of them are just Kelly J Ford. So I'm sure there's some underscores in there at some point. Um, but in terms of where you can find real bad things, obviously, um, I think bookshop has it. It should be available everywhere like Barnes and Noble. And of course my, my publisher Thomas and Mercer is an imprint of Amazon. So you can definitely find me there. The title of her new book is called Real Bad Things. Uh, it is a book about a river of secrets. It is a town of lies. It is a terrific story. Uh, if you are looking for uh, a book to satisfy your mystery thriller tastes, if you are looking for a slow burn mystery that's got some unforgettable characters and really an unforgettable atmosphere, uh, this book is exactly what you need to pick up and add to your 2B red pile. Our guest has been author Kelly J. Ford. Kelly, congratulations on, on this book. Uh, so happy for you. Congratulations. It's a terrific read, and it sounds like you've got another one, uh, another great one coming uh, next year, and uh, we wish you all the best of success with that, and thanks for being on Now Appalachia with us today. Thank you so much. This was fun. We want to take a moment as we finish up on this episode of the program to give a special shout out to the executive producer of Now Appalachia and of all the podcasts that you hear on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Her name is Pam Stack. We appreciate all the support uh, that she provides us each and every episode. We also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And that is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program, and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.